Oh, hi. It's Crystal here. You know, your favorite hairy lady from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And evil Lynn from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe definitely made me queer. Welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer, the podcast that delves into the queer experience using the pop culture and real-life moments that shaped us. Each week, my special guest will bring me a person, a place, music, a film or TV series, and a wildcard that were formative in their queer development, and we will use them to tell their queer story. You have probably seen from the description of the episode, but I am totally gooped about my guest this week. I have got the bona fide pop star MNEK. We had a really fab chat about all sorts of things from black representation in the media to growing up gay in the big city and navigating queerness as a public figure in the music industry. Before we get into the episode, I just want to thank you so much for the warm response to the premiere with Detox. I trust that you're all still listening. Uh, You, yes you, can support the show by sharing on social media and by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. I'd love it if you did that. And when you do, tell me something that made you queer. Anyway, still with me? Let's get into the episode. Okay, so I am thrilled about my guests today. They are a force of nature in the music industry, responsible for some of the biggest bops in a generation. From their breakthrough writing on All Fired Up for the Saturdays, they worked with Beyonce, Madonna, Kylie, Christina, Little Mix, Dua Lipa. Basically, if you've danced to it in a club in the last 10 years, it's probably by them. This year, they received their first UK number one as a vocal artist and their fourth number one counting production credits with Head and Heart with Joel Corey. And they wrote and produced Little Mix's latest banger, Sweet Melody, which I have on absolute repeat right now. Beyond all of these incredible achievements, they've had the distinct pleasure of hearing my vocal stylings on Football <laughs> Drag Race UK, where they coached our girl groups on the official anthem of the millennium, Break Up Bye Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ebony K. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, how are you doing? I actually really enjoyed the intro last night. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. It's so cringe doing that when someone's looking at you. And you're like, <laughs> actually fangirling. Um, but I, I think it's a nice icebreaker, too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? No, I'm well, thank you. I'm really good. Good. Uh, thanks so much for finding the time to talk to me. Before we start, can you just... Do you mind if I ask how you identify and what your pronouns are? I identify as a gear boy. And mm-hmm. I am um, he and him. Gorgeous. Yeah. Love that. Uh, thank you. Well, yeah, it's um, it's just great to be seeing your face again. I think I saw you last at uh, HCL in East London. Yes. At about 3 a.m., it was it was late, and you were on your way out, and I, I was, was on the way in. Yeah, I and was having a night. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, the worst thing about that venue was, it's like I'm six foot four, and I was. Do you do you remember how short that ceiling was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're basically getting dripped on from the ceiling. Yeah, it wasn't cute. <laughs> it wasn't cute, but I was happy to see you. And yeah, that was likewise. How- <laughs> That was in, I think that was the first night I went out after Drag Race started airing. And um, it was the first time, like, people, I was in a space with drunk people who recognized me. And uh, I found it incredibly overwhelming and I had to leave. Like, I just, I was like, I don't like the attention. (laughs) I don't know. Do you you find that when you go to clubs or are people pretty cool around you? (laughs) Honestly, I find that, yeah, the more I'm on TV, the more I was on TV, it was, you know, I've, I I get a little bit nervous when people confront me and I'm like, oh, what do I say? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And they just accost me and like make all this hoopla about stuff. And sometimes, I, you know, it just happens when I'm caught off guard. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy that there's more, there's been all this success and I've been at home. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't needed to like, you know, <laughs> be like a abruptly accosted by somebody yeah, yeah, like yeah. i i mean don't get me wrong i love the attention but i think when it's drunk people they don't necessarily get the cues when it's like 
time to go. Not now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> like, yeah. Hi. Great. Thank you. Okay. And bye. Like there's like there's like a natural rhythm to these things, and um, yeah. drunk people don't necessarily get those cues. They don't. Um, so I, I've been trying not to talk to people about like how lockdown has been and all that. So I want to know what are some of your highlights of the year. Um, and I have a feeling I might know what some of your highlights are. But, um, tell me uh, what are some good you, things that happened in 2020 for you. Well, I. What I'll say is, as just a general thing, I think that 2020 has given me a chance to think. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, so when everything is going on autopilot and you're, you know, just constantly working and constantly going, you know, like it's, um, you don't really have a chance to reflect on whether this is the right decision or this is, you know, the right move for me or if I want to do this. Um, so I'm thankful for lockdown and giving me like a chance to reflect and and really pay attention to what is making me happy and what isn't. Um, and I totally relate to that. Yeah, it, it's really helped do like a filtering process in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, you you end up being more deliberate about your choices. Oh and being yeah, like, this is a thing I like doing, so I'm going to do it. Or, um, you, you know, having the time to actually spend to make things that you're proud of rather than just churning stuff out yeah i mean sometimes it really does get that way um so i i'm thankful that i've kind of like given myself a bit of a mental cleanse in that way Mm -hmm. uh but then on the flip side there's also i'm just happy for you know the success i've been having this year with the songwriting and the production and with the head and heart record and you know, these are things that I wasn't expecting to happen this year. Mm-hmm. You are everywhere right now. The song is everywhere. The song is <laughs> everywhere, but I feel like I feel like you are too. And um, like looking at your discography to prepare for today, like I actually had no idea how many of my favorite songs like you had a hand in. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> it's it's incredible. So I mean, to anyone listening, you you probably also don't know, but. I think you made an amazing playlist on Spotify of like everything that you've done. And it's just like banger after banger, after banger, (laughs) after banger. It's incredible. So um, I just love, I've I've loved watching your star continue to rise this year. So congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that happens. I tend to write and then it just happens to be on someone's playlist. (laughs) Oops. I don't know what happened. I just, oops, I made another hit. (laughs) (laughs) How was it uh, performing on Strictly? That was fun. Because uh, I guess like with things like Strictly and well, any TV performances like in 2020 are so unheard of. And, uh, you know, it was great to perform this song. And it was only the second time we performed it because, wow. you know, we've been in lockdown and thankfully we were able to perform it for Strictly. But then also at a point when it already been a big hit and you know everyone knows it and mm. you know it was really fun and i really really enjoyed the performance and it got a really good reaction so i guess that makes yeah. it more like celebratory rather than like something with something to prove you're like yeah the song was a hit and here you go <laughs> i'm gonna perform it it was kind of that it wasn't yeah. like okay i'm literally having to promote that like, we didn't have to do this so mm-hmm. the thing of it's fantastic that we have the opportunity to do it and it does wonders for an already successful song yeah so um i was happy to be in th- th- that position here so yeah it must have been a bit of a head fuck though to like be on such a big platform with a song that you've never had a like you must normally i guess you'd be so sick you'd be sick to death of performing a song but you'd also know it by like clockwork you'd know how it all how the performance is going to go hey i i i see it as it was there was no expectation for what it was going to go like or you know if anything it's even better because whenever we are allowed to perform you know uh in public and with people there you know we'll be performing a song that literally you know, the crowd will really be receiving of it. And there's so much, uh, and I think it's more for Joel in particular, because he like, you know, his whole thing is DJing and he's always on the road. And 
in, in a normal setting, he would have had to road test this song and actually play it out to see if the, the girls like it. And like, he just had to just do guesswork. And, but thankfully it worked out. Thankfully it's, thankfully it's, yeah, got on a positive reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like I said, congrats. It's so fab. Thank um, you. So should we get into the things that made you queer? Let's go. Yeah, so you know how it works. Um, every episode, a guest brings on a person, a place, uh, a piece of music, a film or TV show, and a wild card that were formative in their queer journey. And I have your list. I love it. And we are starting with your person. Person. <laughs> okay. You have given me Mikey from Recess. And I get, I know, look, I know Mikey from Recess is a, is a cartoon, right? That's fine. But I think that, you know, <laughs> I chose Mikey from Recess because I related to him being, you know, this tall kid, mm-hmm. this, tall, big, this big and tall kid who was into the arts and really sensitive and really soft-spoken and really shy and really had solace in performing and poetry. And, Mm. you know, that was absolutely me as a kid. And, you know, I don't know. It's it's not about who knows how Mikey was supposed to be. I don't know if he was queer on the show, but it was more that just that image of being a bigger kid, being a larger kid, being a kid who was into the arts and, sensitive and also shy and that was literally my aesthetic for the first maybe okay let's try 16 years of my life (laughs) and um like uh it was it was great i mean he's yeah i feel like that was one of the things where that was totally me as a kid and you know Mm -hmm. music and writing and singing were totally like escape routes for me and uh you know, I, I, in a perfect world, I would have gone to perform an art school, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't the way the stars were aligned. <laughs> so how old do you think you were when you were watching Recess? I was probably like, I mean, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten. Like, this is a show that was always on Disney Channel. And you're already at that age starting to realize that you're a bit of a, you're a bit different, a bit of a weirdo. I definitely knew that I was different. You know what I mean? I think that there wasn't uh I think at this point, I don't even know if there was a clear understanding of, you know, sexuality. I think there was definitely, as a kid, I do remember, you know, wanting to hold a boy's hand. Mm -hmm. But then uh, society, and when you watch TV, you're like, okay, that's not what you do, right? So, like, (laughs) I just, uh, to be honest, yeah, as a kid, it wasn't even... I didn't have crushes or I didn't really like, you know, it wasn't, it was all puppy love and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How, how, how were your, like, how were your family? Did they, uh, did they kind of see you as like a, they, could they tell you were a bit of a sensitive little boy or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Was that, yeah. encu- was that encouraged? I think, Okay, so I so my parents are both um, Nigerian, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, in Nigeria, being gay is illegal. Mm-hmm. So let's just like start. Let's preface it with that, and then yeah. everything else that follows is understood, right? Yeah. It's just that I think that they probably knew that I was a little gay, and the truth is, I think that like, like most parents were in denial and. I guess didn't know how to be there for me and um and that's okay I definitely had to figure it out and uh you know I think when once I got a bit older definitely I was like looking into you know what it is that I liked in relationships and all that stuff so yeah yeah I I guess I think all of our parents are figuring out how to support us when I don't know my parents were my parents could not be more liberal, like hippies, like gay friends. My dad had a gay brother. Like they were so supportive, but they still did. They also didn't know how to address it and they n- never knew how to talk to me about it. And so it's, it's funny because you end up having to figure it out 
on your own kind of whatever whatever your scenario often um so i think that's really relatable it's real is you do have to figure out for yourself and it's for the best really uh like hey do you, do you think that in, in, in a like in a perfect world they would be there for you and they know what to do and you know they'd automatically like just know but there's no handbook for this Mm-mm. you know there's no there's no handbook for, for uh you know raising a gay kid and I think there's no easy, like, it's never probably easy to talk to a teenager, especially no. when you're their parent. Like, it's the, kind of the last thing I think I would have wanted also is for my mom to try and, like, try and make me come out to her or something and tell me it was okay. Like, I I wouldn't have responded to that. So, like, yeah, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> <You're still right. laughs> tell me a little bit more about... Mikey, I I don't really remember Recess. I like I remember watching it, but like I think I was probably just a little bit too old. So Recess was like this cartoon, and it was on Disney Channel, and it was basically following like these kids of all different shapes and sizes, races, um, backgrounds, personalities, um, and it was uh, yeah, it was just a syndicated show, and it was. Just this thing where it was it was so innocent and so much of me as a kid that when it came to me like looking for bits of representation, it was cartoons like this that I'd be looking for it in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I saw Mikey and I was like, wow. And my brother would always make fun of me and be like, You're such you're so you're so much like Mikey. And I'm like, <laughs> You're probably right to be honest because it's, it's true i was i was a sensitive kid who was into the arts and just didn't know where i belonged uh that's lovely yeah yeah i don't know first i i know that recess is like an incredibly diverse show and like it's got um it's got kids of all different races and it's funny that you navigated towards the white kid I did, yeah. That's, that's the funny thing. Because you know what the funny thing is when it comes to like black kids on television shows or you know or, or any form of media, how many of them do you see that are the tall, big, sensitive, you know, soft-spoken, shy? You know, we always have to be sassy and on. You know, like that's so true. Yeah, I didn't have anywhere to to be sensitive. And to be like actually just who I was. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I'm not the toughest person. Mm-hmm. I got that way. We get tough. But mm-hmm. you know, it's not like it wasn't that way when I was a kid. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really amazing insight. Um, and I think actually that leads us on nicely to your next thing, which is your film or TV show. Film or TV series. Um, speaking of sassy. Well, this uh, is it. Yeah. <laughs> We've moved on to Sassy. You've put uh, That's So Raven. Well, I think, like, That's So Raven is so funny because <laughs> when I think about Raven, she's, as a kid, you watch Raven, like, her show, and you see her as such, so sassy and so, like, upbeat and charismatic and quirky and zany. At mm-hmm. no point did I think that she was a queer woman when I was watching it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But then now that I've seen that she is a queer woman and seeing what she was doing back then, now that, you know, lockdown, when lockdown happened, Disney Plus was uh, brought to the UK. So I was able to just watch like all my favorite Disney yeah. shows. And so <laughs> seeing that so raven now, I'm like, oh my God, she was literally a gay man on this show because she was just like the most... <laughs> She was just the most ridiculous, over-the-top, like, just drama. Like, it was... And just the theatrics of it all, it was, like... It was so camp, you know what I mean? And I think that was my first Mm -hmm. idea of something that was so ultra-feminine and shamelessly feminine. And, uh, you know, of course, it's a very girly show. But then, for a gay boy like me, it was amazing to just watch all this colour and all of this brightness... uh, in a very black setting, because That's a Raven is a very black show, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's a massive part of all of, of you know all of people I grew up like with, and you know my age mates as far as like black kids, we all love That's a Raven, and it was amazing to see that 
as a black queer kid, just like something so mm-hmm. camp and black. Yeah. There's no, so, and, and you know, RuPaul's Drag Race is obviously like, you know, another really black camp representation. America's Next Top Model is really black and camp. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. having those kind of things that really hint at it. But then, you know, these things go all the way. It was interesting to watch, you know? It was just... Yeah, I guess, like, black campness is kind of, like, there's a lot more of it now. I can think of loads of examples. Like, something like Pose, for example. Or, like, like the huge success of Drag Race and, like, the way it's moved on. Like, it's brought, like, queer blackness because drag is all about blackness, essentially. (laughs) It's all from that scene. Yeah. Um, All of the references in Drag Race are from the black scene. Like it's kind of taken it everywhere. But I guess when you're younger, you're actually, maybe there weren't so many examples of it. No, it wasn't like so many like explicit examples, you know what I mean? And even even if Drag Race was going on at the time that I I was, you know, watching That's a Raven and stuff, I just wasn't, I couldn't align it that way. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, I guess seeing that many colors on television (laughs) was like so amazing for me and such a, you know, an eye opener and just like just the fashions and just the, the, the loudness of it all. It definitely seeing shows like that. So Raven as a kid, as a really quiet, shy kid was so fun because I was able to see someone and be like sassy and be like upbeat and upfront, uh, in, in a mm-hmm. way that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's basically a drag queen. She's a drag queen. Yeah. Raven is ridiculous. Like, I, I'm yeah. such a fan. Yeah. Um, so how how old are you around this age? And, like, I don't know, when did you start to, like, put into words in your own head that you were probably gay? I think, truthfully, like, as far as me being gay, I find that it was, it genuinely was, like, a like a late bloom. It really was that in that I totally recognized that I was attracted to men. However, I think that I only came to terms with it like properly and really like access my attraction to men when I was like 17, 18. Right. Yeah. So it was something that you were kind of denying. I don't think it was denying more than it was just I I was in school and I didn't have any I didn't have any uh, avenues or points to access myself being a queer teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to predominantly black schools, predominantly black mm-hmm. Catholic schools, you know, mm. um and yeah, none of my friends were into that shit. So I was, there was no space mm-hmm. for me to even talk about being gay or even figure mm-hmm. it out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of hard, but then I guess it's like, it wasn't, it was only hard uh, upon reflection just because it would have been hard to figure out if I was gay in that in that environment. You know what I mean? I think that me being able to be in London and to see other, see myself be something else somewhere else, you know, was totally integral to me, helping me find this about myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting that you can be in like a gay capital like London, but still kind of trapped in a little bubble that doesn't necessarily still give you the the avenues out. Yeah, I was like in, you know, I grew up in Catford, and, you know, Catford is like the outskirts of London. But I mean, I can get on the train and go to Shoreditch and it's just a different world. You know, like mm-hmm. that, was, that was my life for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of was very much what my truth. And I'm glad I was able to, you know, move to move to East London and, you know, get into nightlife and really be given... Um, the access to discover myself. Yeah, well, we'll come to that in a second. You, but you mentioned um, like Catholic schools as well. Did you grow up Catholic? Yeah, I mean, I grew up Catholic and like Anglican. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like you know, it's all, and it's not like I was necessarily like heavily religious. You know what I mean? I think it was. Uh, yeah, my mom is God fearing, and we would go to church every Sunday and. 
it was very that but you know i think there's there's not much room for like open conversation or open liberal conversation um so those no, yeah it's all it, it all ties in like environment plays a massive part in like all of our stories and environment plays a massive part in all of our stories and i find that that was definitely a thing for me just knowing that if i was somewhere else or if i was like in a uh, if i was able to see things through like a liberal lens or my family saw things through a liberal lens things could have been different but we'll never know now so mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like you were kind of getting it from all sides then like you had god above and your family and school like i mean that's it's not exactly a place that would encourage you to be like i wonder if i should explore this thing yeah. that is i'm kind of feeling exactly there's no room yeah but yeah now we got it <laughs> but yeah totally i also think it's like i think we put this pressure on teens to like have themselves figured out um because but like it should be a time of like questioning and like wondering and it's not about knowing who you are and declaring it necessarily it's like saying maybe i feel this way and that being okay um i don't know it's kind of like a heterocentric kind of thing to be like who are you attracted to what like you know and I don't understand. I don't understand that pressure that we put on ourselves because I was a late bloomer too. Like I didn't come out until I was eighteen. I don't think. Oh right. And and I remember thinking, God, I've done this so late. Like you know, I know people who were out at fourteen and just knew. And but like I think I don't think there's like a right time to start to realize that. And and like you know, we do it. We do it when it's right for ourselves. One hundred percent. It has to. It just has to be right. It just has to be like, um, you're right in saying that it's very heteronormative to kind of like think you have to have everything figured out and that everything is like black and white, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that, uh, I'm, listen, I'm still growing. I, there's still so much that I want to know about myself that I haven't figured out. And mm -hmm. I think that all comes down to just that structure of just like you have to have everything mm -hmm. figured out and like some things I don't have figured out. Yeah, it's very like that, that heteronormative thing. It's like, don't have sex, like when you're a teen, teen sex is bad. But also, why don't you have a girlfriend? Like, what's wrong with you? And like, those two things live at the exact same time. You're like, well, which is it? Like, just just let me be like, let let people be. And I don't know, I find that all very. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, I think we're going to take a really quick break and then we will be back with more of the things that made M&EK queer. Yay. Miss Quarantina Turner got you feeling down? Never fear, divas, because the WOW Podcast Network is here! Coming this year are brand new episodes of your fave pods, such as mine, the girl group gossip starring me, Cheryl Hole. Hi, Cheryl. How's your hole? Hole is worn out. How are you? <laughs> to the triumphant return of the official RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. Or as we like to call it, she's already the hair. And not to mention bringing mm, tap dancing in. That was this close to being the name of the show. <laughs> and with brand new podcasts from RuPaul's Drag Race UK, Crystal, and Season 12's Jackie Cox, the WOW Podcast Network will be the one-stop shop for all your drag-related podcast adventures. So for more deets, go to worldofwonder.com forward slash podcast. Moose! I just can't get you out of my head. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> you know? I do know. <laughs> uh, and we are back with M&EK and the things that made him queer. Um, so you mentioned nightlife a minute ago, and I think that's where we're heading next. Um, it is. We've got your place. Place. And you've given room service in Soho, which I have not thought about in years, and I am delighted to be remembering. Um, tell me, oh yes, I am. I am delighted. <laughs> that light up dance floor. Woo! <laughs> so, I mean, talk to me first. Maybe explain what what was room service. Well, room service was a place that I went to all of four times, okay. and it was. 
a you know a night that was held in Soho, and it was a gay night, mm-hmm. and it was literally you know it was where all the the first time basic gaybies would be going, mm-hmm. and you know it was a Thursday. It was a fun time. It was a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Was it, it, it was, Jody Harsh, I mean, right? Jody, yes, Jody Harsh would be DJing. I know Monroe would be DJing yes. from time to time back then. You know, I mean, this is how this is a long time ago. So, I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first. That was the first gay club I ever went to. Uh, I mean, it's a it's an iconic spot. They've got a light up dance floor. I think. Did Madonna do a music video in Shadow Lounge? I'm sure she did. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. Is that is that? I tea? think so. I think she did. I like something from the Hung Up era. I think is in Shadow Lounge. Maybe Sorry. No way. Or maybe Hung Up. I don't know. Like one of the club scenes, um, but yeah, because it's got that iconic, okay. that iconic light up dance floor. Um, well, I'll be damned. Shit. Then. <laughs> yeah. So you're going there. You're maybe a little underage. I was the tiniest bit underage. Just a smidge. I was a smidge. <laughs> I would have been eighteen in, in like a few weeks, yeah. but I went. And, and so yeah, tell me about it. Like, okay, so I went, and this was like I was going out with my. I was like partying with my friend Amy and we'd, you know, gone out and we'd gone to a few places and then we went to room service and this was me at 17 and I hadn't come out to anybody. Like I just hadn't even thought to do it Mm -hmm. or to really verbalize it. I'll go to room service and I go in there and I'm dressed how I was dressed at 17. Like (laughs) just, just awful. Like I'll, no, the, the fashions were not, no. <laughs> so uh, I went and I saw all these men in nothing but shorts. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I literally looked around. I was like, okay, are we, are we doing this? I, I'm, am I like going to just poker face and, you know, act like nothing's happening and uh, not not participate, I don't know, whatever. I went there, and my friend Amy was with me, and she, I literally don't know what happened. Somebody just came over me to be like, okay, babe, I've got something to tell you. And at the time, I said I was attracted to men and women. And I think, truthfully, I was. I think it was a thing of, I, at the, it's like I'm saying, I'm a late bloomer. At the time, I genuinely didn't know if I was simply attracted to men or both weren't women and men. And uh yeah, I mean that's when I'd first come out and she was just like, I always knew, mm-hmm. first of all. She said I always knew. And then that she loved me and that let's have a great fun night. And I was just like getting to be a bit looser. And I don't even think it was something that I all the way thought about, you know, when I was younger, if I was holding back or something, but I was able to actually let go that night. And I think, you know, being able to tell one person was like a little bit of weight off my shoulder. Meanwhile, Amy's like, yeah, you brought me to a gay bar. (laughs) But I, you know, what's funny? I didn't bring, so, okay, do you know who brought, do you know who brought us? It was um, uh, this amazing entity, Tamer Wild, who was styling my friend Amy at the time. Um, Still styles her. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were were so young and we were just like, let's go to the clothes. And I mean, they were like, yep, let's do it. I take the clue. And was that like, did that start a snowball effect or, and you started telling everyone or. I started telling people in increments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was like, okay. So Amy, like, yes, I've told her. um, And it wasn't like this thing of, okay, now I'm just going to like fucking, you know, tell everyone around the shop. But I found myself, like, finding little pockets of windows to tell people, like, what I'm doing, who I'm attracted to, who I'm dating. And, yeah, I mean, by the time I was 18, I was I was out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was now a thing of, okay, I know this about myself. I tried dating women, and it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's kind of like I had to be true to myself, and I had to be honest, and I had to... Um. Yeah, take the weight off of my shoulder, and to and, and I, I was glad I got the chance to know 
to fit to know myself more that night. And then, it, yeah, it did snowball and let me discover myself some more. When did you start having to do, like, press and stuff? Like, when did you start first start getting media attention? How old were you? I believe I would have been 18, 19. Right, so yeah. not long after. No, 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 not long after at all. It was literally, like, within months. And were, were you able to be kind of... Was, like, your queerness something that you always made public? Or if it came up, you were happy to talk about it? Or was it something that you were, like, kind of protecting for a while? I think my queerness was something that I was still getting to know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, be comfortable with. And I think that, you know, I... I did make a conscious decision in my, in my, when I started recording like solo material, because mm-hmm. like, you know, sorry, all fired up was when I was 16, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've been writing and writing records at, from that point. But then when it came to me releasing my own solo material, I did make a conscious decision to be open if someone should ask me or at least not be lying because mm-hmm. I don't want to ever have, I didn't want to ever have to sing about women. Mm. That was the main thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to ever have to put off this thing of I'm this, but then, you know, when no one's looking, did you know, did you know how brave that was or was it just natural? Um, I think that it was, uh, the more the more I did it, the more I knew how brave it was. And I think it was more that I got braver. Mm-hmm. I think initially it was that way. But then as I got older and when I was starting to release more material, you know, the fashions changed a little mm-hmm. bit. And like, you know, you know, a few things happened where I was just now more comfortable with myself and I just grew up. Um, and the messaging became a lot more clear that I was like, you know, really, you know, making this music and my music videos and that album was very much like a love letter to me coming out to me being a comfortable myself and to also other black gay people like i really wanted to speak to them mm-hmm. with that out with my first album um but that took a lot of time that took a lot of time of you know being comfortable myself trying things it working it not working you know, yeah. so did you get support from the industry? Like, were people receptive to that, or were you ever? Or I don't know. Did people try and tell you to tone it down? There were definitely people that told me to tone it down. I think that uh, look, it happens. I think it makes people uncomfortable when I'm when something like that is put forward and it's not the usual status quo but at the same time you know who who actually makes the rules and it also depends on what you want i think that i would bring myself so down for not having the same success as the dua leapers and the little mixes that i work with when actually it comes down to this we're catering to different crowds Mm -hmm. we're catering to different groups of disenfranchised you know like there's people who feel there's people who feel represented by Dua Lipa and all of that. And then there's people who feel represented by me and both are valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it does the, the sales and all that stuff is one thing, but it's just the, what it does to the person is important and it shouldn't ever feel. I've brought myself down a lot of the time about that. And really it's all about the impact that I make and the positive influence that I have on people. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder also like even in, how long has it been since your solo album came out? Three years? Two years, two years. now. Well, two, it'll, be, it'll be three yeah. years. So. I wonder if like, <laughs> even in that short time, things have changed a bit. And Because it, I don't know, I feel like every passing day, like um, queerness and gayness gets more and more like, um, like what people want. I don't know. It's like becomes more means, mainstream in a commercial way, if that makes sense. Like, and... It's like more and more like, oh, yeah, let's get a queer person on because that will help us sell more of whatever it is we're trying to sell. There's bits and bobs of that. But I, you know what? I actually feel like it's um, 
I think the, the the art form has developed. I know that there's some things that I did on my first album that can be done better now. Right. And it's like literally down to guinea pig like guinea pig and like just trying to figure out what it is that works, you know? And there's not there weren't as many, you know, as far as the references that I would have or the kind of pop star I wanted to be, you know what I mean? It's like what am I referencing? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it's so sparse as far as anything that's just like me. So I've learned on the way. And so whatever it is that I decide to do album two or whatever, I know that I want to approach it differently. Um, and with no, with more knowledge and with more knowledge of how to really uh, just talk, just do my black queer experience. Yeah. I don't know if I always have to represent everyone else's black queer experience when I'm on person. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really tricky thing when you're a marginalized group that suddenly you have to speak for everyone in that marginalized group. And whatever your niche is, you're like, I can't. I can't do that. It's impossible. Mm. I don't feel like sometimes it's like, it doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah. But you know what? Either way, it's fun that the music itself has done that for people mm-hmm. um, and has given them a, a sense of freedom, yeah. which I, it, it took me a long time to get to. Well, speaking of black queerness, why don't we move on to your next item that made you queer, which is uh, your wild card. Wild card. Oh, yes. And you've put UK Black Pride, which I love. Yes, I love UK Black Pride too. It's literally my favorite, favorite thing. Um, and you know what? The truth is, I think that when I went to uh, UK Black Pride for the first time, it was absolutely like such a freak thing. I went and I had no idea what to expect, but it was one of the most like immersive experiences that I've ever, I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. It was like... Um, you know, just great to be in a space where I could be both sides of myself. Mm -hmm. Because I will say, like, one thing I found uh, tricky uh, before, before UK Black Pride and a bunch of other things was letting my gayness and my blackness coexist. Mm -hmm. And I think that because a lot of people see gayness as a black, as a really white caucasian concepts right 100 percent. and so me i hadn't really been amongst many other black gays and you know that is something that is so important to me to be around other black gays other gays of color just because you know i won't always have the same experience you know as a white gay and there's so many of them around and I can't, I, you know, to compare myself to them would be so hurtful to my mental health Mm -hmm. and to my, uh, to everything. And I found myself doing it many a time because it is that way. But, um, when I have a group of people that are like myself, that look like me, it's nice that we're all in it together and that we can all be there for each other. Um, so, when it came to Black Pride, it was amazing to see so many of those and it to be so predominantly that, you know, so predominantly people that look like me and having a great time. And it wasn't about being at this event or at this ad sponsorship or anything. It was just great people. Mm-hmm. And so many people that I, I saw people that I went to school with that I had no idea were queer. Oh. And I see them and I'm like, oh my God, is it? <laughs> is that you <laughs> so that, that was you know i i love going to it and i and it's one of the events that i totally miss this year yeah um and i can't wait to to go to when uh everything opens up again yeah um representation matters and like i i love that you were able to find that place where you know all of the parts of you could coexist my experience of Black Pride is just that it feels like how Pride, I think, I imagine used to feel. I don't know. Because you go to, you go to like, the parade in London, and it's sponsored by Barclays, and it's sponsored by whoever. And it's kind of depressing, and it just feels like a corporate sellout. And, like, 
pink pink washing really it's, and then, it's for them it's for the masses yeah. you know what i mean that's the thing it's definitely for the masses but then you go to black pride and you're like oh this is actually like political engaging powerful it's like um or you know going to trans pride i get the same kind of energy and feeling it's like actually these are groups that are still marginalized even by the gay community and um this is this is the next thing that we need to be pushing forward not like not just taking the Barclays corporate sponsorship and being pleased with ourselves. Like, like let's continue sure. the lift, like the lifting. Um, so I love, yeah, I love UK black pride and like lady Phil is amazing. Also lady Phil, Chloe, all of those lot are really great people and they really help put together such a life-saving event. It is like, it's, I'm, I know that it's saved so many people's lives and just knowing that they can go to that every summer, you know? What an amazing thing. And you got to perform there last year. Yeah. Last year? I did. Yeah, last year I headlined. So that was weird. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, like, it was so funny because, you know, this was... Well, first of all, this was very close to where I live and it was very... um daunting because i was like oh wow is everyone gonna know where i live and like <laughs> see I'm you leaving the house you know, well this, <laughs> my, like my dressing room was literally my house because yeah. it was that it was, it, you know it was like in a park so truthfully like i i really really enjoyed it and it was really funny to see all my worlds coexist in that way and uh yeah, it was loads of fun. I'd been doing a bunch of prides last year, and this, I think, this that one was the most close to home. Because mm-hmm. first of all, it was at home, and secondly, it was uh, just real. It was, it was, it was about people who look like mm-hmm. me. Love that. Well, congratulations. That's like a really amazing career moment to be able to like headline the thing that also helped you figure yourself out yeah it was it was a beautiful experience and you know now i get to continue to go as a punter yeah. so like <laughs> less stressful um and uh we move and fingers crossed for next year uh, well fingers crossed that anything happens yeah, next exactly. year like, like and everything is complete right <laughs> yeah. off but let's keep let's keep the faith um and hope for the anything that you would say to to people to queer people who, uh who aren't of color who want to go to black pride well, I think it's just about knowing that this isn't about them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... Because, uh, you know, Black Pride, is, it's, not, it's not saying that white people aren't allowed. It's just saying that there's enough events that cater to white people. And more, more time exclusively to, to, to white mm-hmm. people. You know, there's not even a thought of anyone that looks, you know, darker than a paper bag sometimes. So, like, it's kind of like this. You're allowed to be there. You're allowed to have fun. You're allowed to partake. But it's just the understanding that you are the minority in this. Mm-hmm. For, for this one time, you're the minority. Yeah, and be careful and how much space you're taking up. Just don't take up the space. It's, it, it's just not about yeah, you. Totally. So I think that, yeah, I think once there's an awareness of that, you can enjoy yourself and have a good time. Yeah. It's the you know? same message that like, I would say to someone straight who wanted to come to gay pride. Like it's the exact same, yeah. it's the exact same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But we all want allies, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Allies are great. I mean, just as long as they, they, they know where their, their business exactly. is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that brings us on to your last item, which is, um, Album or song? Music. So talk to me. We're, I think we're in present day. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a few things, you know what I mean? I think, you know, I'm, first of all, apologies that this has been such like a jumbling, you know, part of things. where I've That's been what it's like, supposed like, to be. I know. <laughs> I've just, like, I always find it hard because I... You know, I love music, but I don't know if there's always been like one thing that's made me queer or anything like that. But I know there's absolutely music that I listen to now that uh, really uh, uplifts my queer experience and mm-hmm. you know makes me happy to be black and queer. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I chose I chose Don Dada by Cakes the Killer 
um, which I love and I love cakes and I think they're great and so talented and like they can they can rap with the best of them and like mm-hmm. they deserve like 10 million times the shine that they get for the records they make and um I actually did uh you know a thing on uh YouTube with them it was me them it was um Shantanya Beckford it was Shamir Bailey Vincent um JJ Revlon and it was just us talking about mm-hmm. like the intersectional like thing of being you know, black and queer and all of our experiences growing up with it and it was so amazing to get to know cakes better through that um already being a fan of his fan of their music so i uh i chose don dada because i didn't it's so great and everyone should hear it and it's incredible i also love this song uh by warren dumas called to you and I discovered him him on Twitter and Instagram, and I was like, I love the song. And you know, what if you watch the video and the visual, Warren is a star, and you know the music, and he's producing and writing this all himself. It's beautiful, and it's this is like a Mel Beyonce. It's like so uh, exemplary and neat and tight and. Uh, yeah, so I'm a fan, and uh, you know, those are my contributions. <laughs> we love that. We love um, uplifting like other artists too. I think that's fab. Yeah, why not? It's not. Yeah. You know, let's sh- let's 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 share the love. Well, I will, sh- and I will share those uh, tracks on my Insta, so everyone can check them out. They're so good. Um, I-, I guess before we wrap up, I I think that kind of. L- segues really nicely into a question i wanted to ask you which is like please i don't know you you talk about going to black pride and like uh, and talking about how you didn't really have representation when you were younger and i don't know how does it feel now to be making the songs that is the representation for other people like you probably have made songs that people would put on their list of things that made them queer um do you think about that ever um, I think so. I, well, you know what? I think that it's great. It's great. That's all. Like that's that's one of the main things I want to achieve. And you know, I I I would hate for anyone to feel how I felt growing up. In that, I felt quite lost, and that I didn't know where I exactly I belonged. Um, and I'm thankful. That, you know, it's not like. You know, sometimes I mess. I've messaged it in the past, like it's a conscious decision to do this. But a lot of this is accident. Like a lot of this is just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here for a purpose of making music, and if it changes somebody's life, you know, that's incredible. It's something that I I don't know if any marketing team can conjure that plan up. You know, it mm-hmm. just it, it's it's beyond me. You know, and so, uh. You know, it's a beautiful thing. I've had songs that I've had, I've had songs that I've written, you know what I mean? That, you know, Ready for Your Love with Gorgon City was absolutely about me coming out. You know what I mean? That was a song that I wrote about me coming out and finally feeling ready to be myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, there are songs like that that I feel that people can relate to. And there's probably some songs on the language album that, you know, have that as well. But, uh, you know, it's all amazing when your music has a lasting impact. But we love a bop too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't all have to be serious, but yeah. um, it's nice when it is. And like, you know what? Um, maybe some of maybe some of the things that people are relating to are your songs about coming out, and maybe someone is somewhere in a gay bar in East London coming out to their friend while you know the little mix song you wrote is playing. Right. Well, we yeah. be, well, I mean, not now. Maybe touch from past tense because yeah. you know, pandemic. But yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, that was an amazing list, and I loved hearing all of your stories. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Of course. Before you go, can we play a quick game of? But is it queer? Okay, let's do it. Is it queer? Okay, so um, I'm just going to give you some things and we're going to just decide together if they're queer or not. Um, 
Up first, leopard print. <laughs> I think leopard print is... Uh, leopard print isn't as queer as it is camp. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think leopard print is, is in danger of being co-opted. Like, I think it's... Like I've, I feel like I've seen straight men wearing leopard print, and that's when you know something is teetering on the edge. Yeah, it's not all the way. It's not exclusive. Yeah. But maybe it's like a bit of a timeless classic. Do you I know mean, what I mean? Shania. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sure there's like a 60s reference too, or like a 70s one. Like, I feel like we've always... Like, campness and leopard print have always gone hand in hand, and therefore queerness and leopard print are, all, are okay. always probably going to be together. We'll give a queer... Yeah, we'll give Leopard Print Queer for now. Mm. But we're watching you, Leopard Print. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the movie Frozen. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I was worried because you were saying how much you like Disney. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I like no. Okay, I like Disney Channel. <laughs> like it's not like it did the movies and all that stuff, like it's fine. Yeah. Channel. <laughs> yeah, got it. Got it. I think Frozen is cla- is like queer baiting, but um it's not queer. It, no, no, no. It, it, if any no, it's no. No no no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let It Go was like maybe queer for about a week the summer it came out or whatever, but um I yeah, did see I did I, to be fair, I did see a boring remix of, of um Let It Go. It was no, like, that uh, sounds queer. You know, it was given, it was given little girl cold, never but 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 cold, never but but, and I was like, let's go, that's queer. I don't need to like frozen. Yeah, I think you put anything on that beat. Okay, it's frozen, not queer. No, rose wine. Rose wine is pretty queer. <laughs> Rose says, wine is pretty fabulous. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know, you have a glass of rose wine and it's like, this is not this is this is this is this is fabulous. You're having yeah. a moment. <laughs> Basically anything pink is gonna be a little bit queer, just by default. Yeah, yeah. by default. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, I think it has queer rankings. Yeah, queer rankings. It's like uh, let's call Rose demi queer. <laughs> Why demi? I don't know. I just feel like the the straight women have gone a little too crazy about the rose. Oh yeah, the Karens. You know what I mean? Like mm. when you get a sign that says rose all day, and you can put that in a bathroom, like that's that thing. That thing can't be queer. Yeah. But, like, if you and I drink rose, it's queer. Duh. So maybe maybe rose is queer um based on the the eye of the beholder or you know what I mean like the the person drinking it. Um so is it like queer adjacent? Queer adjacent, there it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, last one. Uh wearing deodorant. Wait, what? <laughs> is it queer? Is it queer? Yeah, to wear deodorant. You know, quick, okay, wearing deodorant should be all lives matter. It should be everything in between. It should be everything. It's not, it shouldn't be an option. <laughs> should... I have known, some of the queerest people I have known have not worn deodorant and they have been stinky, stinky fuckers. But like, they have been so queer because they're just like, you know what? I reject your beauty standards. Okay. Can you can you can can you give us a a, a scent? Can you give us like a old yeah, they, 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 or like a no, they, you know? They smelled like bo. That's, they were stinky. That's not no. Like you can't do that. I try so hard. Like listen, I'm a very sweaty person, but I really try to spray boots. Like honestly, I have to. I, I, I have to because I'm not doing it. I'm not smelling like anything like B.O. I, no. It's just what about like the naturalness of it? Like, you know, like the natural musk, the attraction, the pheromones, the... the oh, 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 okay. So do you know Society not can't... No, no, oh, I do wear deodorant. I'm, oh, okay. I, I think, but... Yeah, I do. Um, because I'm, I'm basically not queer enough to not 
But um, I feel like if I were queer, I, f- I feel like if I were more queer, I'd be like, fuck that. I'm not wearing deodorant. Is that, is, I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like being queer means you care more. Yeah. Like you care yeah. more about what people think about you. So like the I, law, you can call me, <laughs> you can call me anything, but like. But don't call me stinky. Okay. Like why am I, why, why am I. Why am I stinky? Like, why am I giving you room to to shame me like so? <laughs> okay, we we're, we're divided. The room is divided, but um, I'm gonna give it to M and E K. And deodorant is queer. <laughs> I guess. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, babes. Um, that is it. You've done it. You've satisfied. You have made, you've decided what's queer and you've given me all the things that made you queer. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It means the world. Yeah. And uh, anything you want to plug before you go? Anything people should should do to support you? Oh, you know, I'm Emily K on all my socials and uh, you know, I've, I'm featuring on this new song, song with uh, Sleepwalkers, More Than Words so check that out um, I'm writing and producing stuff I've done the little mix record with them uh, and yeah I mean, it's all quite exciting things right now, check me out keep updated um, and thank you again, Crystal. Like, like, yeah, this has been really fun. Great. Thank you so much, babes. And I can't wait to um, hear whatever you come up with next. And can't wait to see you in IRL. Yes. <laughs> we'll be neighbors soon. So <laughs> neighbors. We'll, we'll get that popping. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Walks, please. Okay. Bye, babes. Bye. Well, that is it for us this week. We will be back next week with more of the things that made us queer. I would love to hear some of the things that made you queer. So tweet me with some and I will share them in a future episode. And if you like the episode, please tell your friends and share it. And if you didn't, well, keep your filthy mouth shut. Until next time, I've been Crystal. Stay sparkly, transparent, and cheap. Oh, and queer. Our theme song is Something Like Summer, graciously provided by Caveboy. This has been a World of Wonder production. 